All right. Uh, on the show today, I have uh, Jeff Ali. He's my co-host. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing great. Thank you. Caught me, caught cool. me almost uh, mid-slurp of a coffee. Welcome to the Evan Weiss Show, broadcasting from the West Coast, raw, in-depth, and relentlessly hacking the mainframe. Here's Evan Weiss. Oh, what are you drinking? <laughs> what kind of coffee uh, are you drinking? Cavalia or... I, I, Jeez, you know, I, I forget what it is. Cavalia, Cavalia or something? Uh, I don't know. You've always seemed to me uh, to be a guy who likes... Who would like tea for some reason. I love tea. I love tea. Um, I, just, I just have to... Uh, stock up on it um and be in the mood for it because like it just it goes away and then i forget about it and then i don't i don't go oh i don't have any tea anymore until i want it again then i have to like think about going and getting it something something about tea you know you want it fresh or fresher than i don't know it seems like coffee is very easy to, to just go and buy you know and it's right it's, it's good <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I know that people are usually either a, a tea person or a coffee person. Um, I, I, you know, coffee, I like coffee. There's there's times in my life where I'll drink coffee for a few months and then I'll stop drinking it. Um, I have to have the perfect measurements of caffeine and and, uh, and a creamer and, and then, I, then I'm, I can tolerate it. But for some reason, I'm one of those people who... When I drink coffee, or there's too much caffeine in there, I get jittery, and, and I don't, I don't, I'm not too comfortable with with the way I feel if I drink uh, too much coffee. Oh yeah, that's that can be annoying. Um, I'm I'm actually good with caffeine in terms of jitterness. I rarely get it. Um, but uh, yeah, I go through phases too. You know, sometimes um, I think when I'm when I'm being much more like health conscious or just trying to be lighter in my essence i i tend towards tea because somehow it feels cleansing and you know um and coffee is it's like when i want to be more grounded some some reason you know interesting I, it, you know i i i feel like it's just it's a more physical you know because it gives you some energy you know kind of gets your mind mm -hmm. going that's just sometimes a I smell mean, gr green tea uh, does have green tea does have caffeine too right oh yeah absolutely but you know the funny thing is is, is in my life I, I was drinking green tea for a long time and i thought it had no caffeine um because i'd never noticed it like i just it, it, you know regular tea i knew had a little bit but i always thought green tea had none but it turns out it's pretty high um and depends on the the particular variety um you know uh yeah but um but yeah I, I go through phase i definitely go through phases where I'll, I'll drink coffee a lot and then very little um you know some people say it affects your sleep but for me it yeah if, it I, if I drink it too it, late it, 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 if i drink too late uh caffeine it'll, it'll definitely um screw around with my sleep yeah and uh, yeah, I like a good creamer. I, I, I wish I knew exactly what I was drinking right now, but I'll probably have to tell you later um, because it, the creamer is really good, um, but I didn't buy it, so I don't know what it is, but it's really good. And the coffee is really good. And anyway, I'll have to send you a link or something. Yeah, I, I know I know the, uh, the coffee connoisseurs out there will probably cringe at the kind of coffee I usually usually like, and, I'll, and I've that I've taken for a long time, is a coffee that comes. If you go to Amazon, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I'll what, take, I'll I take, forgot I'll what take it's. Pete's. I, I, I love Pete's. <laughs> Pete's are pretty good. I Pete's is pretty good. But 
if you go to Amazon, uh, it's it's a it's a bag of pre-mixed little kind of like uh, little tubes, and mm. uh, it has creamer, has a caffeine, and all you do is mix it with hot water. It's like an instant creamer coffee, and it comes from oh. Korea. It's very popular in Korea, and for oh, I, I would, believe I would like twenty dollars. Yeah, I think for twenty dollars you get like uh, I don't know forty fifty little tubes and it's great because all you do is get up in the morning you put hot water you put one of these tubes you mix it and it's done uh, you don't have to go through all the complicated things I, i've seen some coffee connoisseurs caroline would love that she likes her instant coffees in the morning for some reason because she just doesn't like making a whole pot of coffee and then um i get up later right. most of the time i guess more practical to waste you know but she doesn't realize when i wake up and it's there i, I drink it out I mean, I, I used to hate old coffee or anything like that. It bothered me like, Ugh. but yeah, doesn't bother me anymore. Um, what you mentioned about Korea is really um, reminded me of something else. Um, I, I was in Japan visiting a friend and one of his good friends is a coffee roaster. So he selects the beans and then he roasts them, slow roasts them. He has his own technique and um, you know it's very, very precise how he does it. And so he just, um, you know, uh, let his friends know that he just, you know, finished a batch. And so they, um, we had a coffee meetup, you know, um, it was like, uh, my friend Sukuru, um, who's Japanese and two other Westerner guys, um, Canadian and American who are also friends with him and, um, and another couple Japanese guys. Um, one of them, that's this coffee roaster, I forget his name. But um, it's one of the things about Japanese culture that I find really interesting is they're they're really get focused and into something. Like anybody um, who knows this guy will buy his coffee, but he never makes a lot. You know, he doesn't hmm. try to mass produce it in any in any way. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't milk it for what it's worth. He just makes it when he feels like it or when the when the beans are right. And something about that creates almost like a ceremony to the whole experience, which maybe you've seen in movies or culture, read about, you know, tea ceremony and things like that, where they have in yeah. Japan. And so much of it is the presentation um, that elevates the experience of whatever it is you're doing, like having a tea ceremony, you know, or uh, practicing writing kanji, um, the, their, 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 their former characters. You know, all these all these things are pottery, you know, and often it's not right. There, there isn't there there isn't like a capitalistic salesmanship angle to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more of like sharing something that matters to them. And it can be sometimes very new. It could be something new, like uh, coffee roasting would be sort of new because they're more of a tea culture. Um, so that'd be a little bit like new. that's what I thought. Yeah. But yet at the same time, the person who shares um, uh, Japanese pottery with their friends and family and, and people in the neighborhood, they're like preserving their culture. But the way they involve themselves in it and how they present it is, is with the same sort of, uh, I want to say humility, um, almost. Sincerity. Sincerity, yeah. Um, and, and like one isn't greater than the other. Even though they really are very proud of their culture, they're they're I think it because they are very comfortable with the good parts of their culture. They're very apt to uh, 
take in other cultures like they don't they don't have an aversion to liking stuff from elsewhere because they're they're so they have a confidence in their own which is um i think one of their strengths right so they're confident about their own culture so hey they're yeah. open to other people's cultures as opposed to someone who would be insecure about their culture mm -hmm. and who was afraid that uh, another culture might outshine their own yeah exactly and uh hmm, interesting and, and it's a very homogenous i mean uh what's which, what's the word is it homogenous yeah it's a homogenous culture yeah, they're 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 just japanese <laughs> you know because they've been on this right. island for so many you know hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years and you know they they've really developed things independently uh to a large degree um so uh yeah you know it's it's interesting um how, how long were you in japan and what city just, were you in just a couple weeks i was i was in in and around Tokyo, Tokyo is like almost the equivalent of saying LA County or Los Angeles County. If you're familiar with Los Angeles okay. City, it's a very sprawling city, but then beyond there's all these other cities. And so like Tokyo is a bunch of cities actually. So then each, um, each neighborhood is usually like a whole city unto itself. And they're, they're pretty sizable depending on which part you're in. Um, so I was, um, you know, just kind of near the center of it all. Um, my friend lives in what would be considered sort of suburbs-ish, but it's very much city, you know, it's very condensed. Um, you know, and it's, you know, what's, uh, I, I know a, a friend of mine who, who, who is from Kawasaki and, um, they have this crazy festival that's, uh, the penis festival. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. And it's where uh, people come out, and they and they they have these large statues of penises or what they call phallus, yeah. and uh, it's literally uh, it originates back in the 1600s, and it was it was they do it because they want to uh, essentially protect the city from uh, sexually transmitted diseases. That's a very strange thing they do. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't I did I I had heard the reason why, but I totally forgot what the reason why. Um, yeah. yeah, they have, they have some, it's, it's very... not a joke. It's not a joke. This is, no, I'm not, yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not trolling you, man. This, this is no, like no, a I know. thing. No, and, I know. Uh... <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I have heard of it before. I just forgot the, uh, the meaning of it. Um, there's, they have a lot of interesting festivals where they're, they're pretty, um, pretty crazy. Like I had planned on going back and there's a festival. It's, it's not that festival, but it's, it's like that one in that it's, most of the people go like they wear like togas or something or they wear the oh yeah 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 like sumo the naked festival yeah it's another that's another strange one yeah yeah well this one's i don't know what this one is about i can't remember but it's i mean people wear clothes but they're they're barely clothed and it's in a and it's in right a they were they were like they were like uh yeah they were like blue togas yeah yeah and I, it's I like winter talking about that. and it's like winter time right. so it's cold and they're just like in their underwear basically um right I was there during, um, I had planned on being there during what's called Hanami. Um, okay. Have you ever heard of Hanami by chance? No, I have what, what is that? Okay. So the, the way this came about was I remember seeing some pictures of, of Japan and seeing the cherry blossoms. I, I always forgot what, what those trees were called, but they're called cherry blossoms. I love those trees. So they're beautiful. I was like, I would love to see those, you know, when I go to Japan. And I didn't know if it was really a thing or if it was just sort of like I had seen a picture somewhere. Like, like if let's say you saw the, a picture of the Eiffel Tower, you know, when you were a kid and 
but it turned out the Eiffel Tower was like no big deal. So you were like, I want right. to go see the Eiffel Tower. And like, nobody really goes to see that. Well, anyway, it turns out right. the cherry blossoms is a big deal. And so when I asked my friend about it, he told me that, um, he said, yeah, they come at a certain time in the year and they spend a lot of energy trying to predict exactly when they're going to blossom because it's, it's in springtime and, it, and there's a range of time where they might, you know, come and start to, to bloom. So what I was asking about is actually a very um, strong cultural significance, but I didn't know. I just thought it looked pretty and I didn't really know if it was a thing or not. So I, I ended up planning my trip to try and, you know, to attempt to coincide with, with uh, um, the date that they would blossom. And it turned out that I got there and they were, they weren't even budding. You know, I had, you know, bought my ticket a little oh. bit in advance and, you know, about a week into the trip, my, my friend remembered that I had wanted to see that. And he's like, I'm sorry you came, you know, I said, I'm not sorry. This is great. You know, this is awesome. We were having a great time. And on the very last day that I was there, they, they really blossomed like for real. And it's, it was, it was a similar energy as I experienced when I lived in New York. There's this day in New York where it's springtime. And for some reason, I think I've told you the story before, but for some reason, everybody wakes up that morning and knows it's spring. At least when I live there, it's like the day that all the women, not every single woman, but like they'd wear skirts that day or dresses or their spring clothes <laughs> or whatever. You know, and, and people just dressed a little different on this day. And it was just like all of a sudden it was it was like the day before people were wearing winter clothes and the next day. And, you know, sometimes spring is coming. There's some warm days, some cold days, some warm days. But there's that one day where it really it's spring. Spring, spring is right. it's like a men, so it's like the mental and energetic and it, it's like the uh, mental clock we have when we wake up at the, when, the day before. We're like, we got to wake up at 6 a.m. And for some reason, without an alarm clock, we instantly wake up. I think the seasons yeah. kind of have a similar connection yeah. with with our brains in that way, too. Yeah. And it's very powerful in New York. And I experienced it you know, every year, pretty much. I noticed it. And I thought it's probably a really interesting thing. And in Japan, hey, hey, well, it was uh, similar, too, uh, because I want to ask you. Last day. I wanna, oh, yeah, sure. I want to I want to ask you something. So, so you, you've lived in New York before for many years, right? How many years? Mm -hmm. I was there for about seven years, like 10 years total, because I went back okay, and forth so, between New York and L.A. So you're well acquainted. You're well acquainted with, with New York and you've been there. You know what it's about. And and what do you think about how there's hundreds of thousands of people leaving New York now? It's like a ghost town. What, what do you, th I mean, since you're a person who've li who's lived there for such a long time and, and really have a connection with New York, I've been to New York many times, but you've actually lived there. What do you think about that? What, what does that make you think about? Hmm. You know, I think it would be a very odd feeling to be there right now. And, you know, especially they're, they're going um, into these lockdown modes where a lot of the restaurants are being closed again and things like that. So I would imagine... Um, it would be kind of eerie, you know. Um, hmm. uh, it's rare that it's, that New York is quiet, you know. But I can imagine it would be much quieter, and uh, you know, sort of a almost a post-apocalyptic feel. Um, right. 
supposed the to fact be the that city people are leaving, you know, it, it may be that it, it could be two things could happen. People people could leave and a whole new bunch of people might come back, you know, to, to New York. And mm-hmm. a lot of people may never go back to New York um, because it might just be too hard, you know. But um, I suppose rent might go down, maybe. Real estate might take a dive. I, I don't know if, you know, if the, if the pricing <laughs> real estate will be bad, but, you know, possibly the rent will go down. So it might it might allow people who wouldn't have considered moving there um, to move there maybe in the next two, three years. And, you know, talk, talk, talking about a festivals, festivals are so important to cities. And New York, uh, you know, they, they decided to cancel all their festivals. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of like, I feel like the situation that's going on with the world kind of uh, brings into perspective the kind of things that we never considered as valuable, like festivals, for example, two cities. Um, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, I think that's one of the most important things that we overlook a lot. Well, yeah, human connection, um, you know, face to face connections, you know, that saying out of sight, out of mind is is quite literally true in almost everybody's life. You know, if if you don't get FaceTime with people, you often lose touch with them or drift apart, um, you know, whether it's for business or for you know, your work or your creativity or just, um, you know, friendships and and nurturing, you know, connection and community. If you can't meet face to face, I mean, what do you do? I mean, we, you know, you and I are very familiar with working online and being online, um, you know, as a, as a tool, but, um, you know, as a, as a social tool, you know, take, it takes, you know, the whole idea of social media and just social, you know, uh, digital socialness or whatever you know to a whole nother level now that you know pretty much everybody's online that's their whole existence almost you know unless they make of it you know like, right um but i i did know i do know i do notice something um a lot of people seem to be making extra effort to smile even if they're wearing a mask smile like even with their eyes at somebody like if you're walking down the street there's there's quite a good number of people who seem to be making effort to still connect. You know, they don't. Have say you seen Have you seen those masks? Have you seen those masks with like a, a smiley face on them? I think they're pretty cool. <laughs> I haven't, but I thought of it. <laughs> I thought of you know, I should get something like that. <laughs> I was even going thinking, back to you know, fa- print. Going back. How about going back your own face on the mask? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Um, Going back to festivals, the country that I like, that I actually have on my bucket list to go to for these particular festivals is Spain. Spain has some of the coolest festivals, like the running of the bulls. There's like an element of danger to that. Have, have you been to to the uh, to this one? I No, no, I haven't. You've uh, heard of it, right? The running of the bulls where there's just like people on the streets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they let these... They let yeah, these bulls loose and start. They start running. I down think the street. it's insane. <laughs> I think it's completely. You think it's insane. what? <laughs> I know. I that's why I like insane. it. <laughs> um, it is insane. It is. A, it is crazy. A, there is a festival. Uh, there's a festival that um, I think you would enjoy. Um, actually, um, if it ever comes back, you know, it, it's. I wouldn't call it my bucket list, but it was something I. I oh, I keep planning to do, and then I something happens and I don't have the time to do it or whatever because it's a big commitment of time but there's this festival in Italy called Cinema de Mare 
Cinnaba by the Sea, basically. And oh, that sounds cool. 40 day or 42 day um, film festival. Oh, it doesn't sound cool anymore. No, it, you you travel through, um, you travel from one city to another city every week, and you spend about a week in each city, and the whole crew, the 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 the, the crew of people that travel together, um, are all filmmakers. That is cool. They're all filmmakers. That is awesome. Or they're or they're really student cool. filmmakers, or budding filmmakers, or filmmaker curious, you could say. So the whole group is making films along the way and at the end of each week they do a screening of whatever they've created that week or no whatever way. they've created throughout that is awesome yeah and it's largely free that's a beautiful thing it's it's actually funded by um uh, italy the government funds it as a way to promote film culture because they're very proud of their film culture there so they they want to try to encourage young people oh, yeah italy italy yeah. has some some beautiful beautiful amazing films beautiful yeah very visually visual uh very visual um approach you could say um yeah have you heard of that uh, movie one of my favorite italian movies uh cinema paradiso oh yeah yeah of course that's beautiful it's it's a masterpiece yeah but yeah. that is a really cool uh festival I, i've never heard of that um, it sounds like a really cool one, but have yeah. you heard of the, have you heard of the other crazy festival in Spain where they, where they gather in, inside of this, the street, thousands and thousands of people and start hitting themselves with tomatoes? <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> That's another one I want to go to, but the film one does sound pretty cool. Probably not as fun as a tomato one, but, but also cool. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I one's very intense and one's who knows it's probably what you make of it either way <laughs> yeah the, the italian one is, is really cool have you ever heard yeah, of yeah i mean fried green tomatoes dried green tomatoes fried fried um, green tomatoes oh fried fried yeah hmm. i so think it's, so it's a it's a it's a georgian it's either georgia or atlanta you know it's atlanta georgia but it's it's popular there um so it's green tomatoes, so they're not they're not ripe yet, and they slice them and they 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 fry them. I guess they fry a lot of stuff. They fry pickles and all kinds of things down there. Yeah, the uh, South loves to fry stuff. Yeah, um, I was uh, producing a, tra a travel show. Um, it was sort of like oh, I'm looking at them now. They kind of look like pancakes, right? Like fried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. like br they're kind of breaded or something. Yeah, they're breaded. Yeah, they're they're sort okay. of like you know how you might make you know fried mozzarella or something. You know. Um, okay anyway yeah i was working on a show uh it was it was it was a production um that was uh showcasing all these different um places in america to travel to and so in each state or each city we visit there was always something that it was sort of known for that we would go and, and film and do like a skit of some sort or do a do a segment and so when we got to atlanta that was one of the things there was there were some other interesting things about atlanta that we that we you know kind of dove into but that was one of them. And so, you know, driving around town looking for a place to film, you know, find who, you know, who makes these things and, you know, getting there and, you know, it's not the right look and this isn't the right look. And so in, <laughs> in, in the end, we ended up renting, um, we rented a Chinese restaurant, but the Chinese restaurant didn't look like a Chinese restaurant. It was an old fashioned old home, you know, probably, you know, hundred year old home had a nice big front front porch 
and we just set up the kitchen on the porch, you know, and um, hired a chef, and we had our actor host, and and just did this thing, you know, like so we just makeshifted everything and just kind of made it up. But those things tasted so good. <laughs> Normally, you think of like they, I mean, they look like, they yeah. look really good. I mean, they look like I mean, but at the end of the day, you know, they say you could pretty much fry rats asshole <laughs> and uh, and eat it. I mean, you. <laughs> I guess I guess people do say that. <laughs> well, isn't, there, isn't there like a city that fries bull balls? Isn't that like a oh, thing somewhere? Yeah, I mean, they probably pickle them someplace too. You know, <laughs> that's gross. Now that's gross right there. <laughs> Pickled bull. So what do these? Th- uh, <laughs> so what? What do these things taste like? These fried green tomatoes. Mm. I mean, you know, like like just about anything. Fr- I'd be like NordVPN makes your online data unreadable to others, which means internet criminals and identity thieves are completely locked out from your private information. Once you get NordVPN. You're free to enjoy the internet in complete privacy. It has the security you need and the features you will love. Take it from me. As a seasoned software engineer, I would never think of connecting to the internet without using NordVPN. Go to evanweiss.com NordVPN to get the special exclusive discount extended to my listeners, which you can only get by going to evanweiss.com NordVPN. VPN. Fried cauliflower. Anything that's fried. You know, yeah, fried exactly. cauliflower. It's it's just the taste of fried and a little bit of veggie flavor, like barely. There's barely any. Hmm. But they're good because the way they the way the batter is and you know the, the right. dipping sauce and different things. But like I said, anything with batter is gonna is gonna really Yeah, I'm taste I'm, good. I'm I'm sort of addicted to fried food. I mean I, I Really it's hard for me to You're turn, not from the South, down. man. How is that? you know oh that's funny. Um you know how they have these funny, um, you know, quizzes, uh, big data, trying to understand everything about you. So they put these quizzes yeah. and say, they say, let's, let, you know, we can guess how Southern you are by what foods you've eaten or whatever, you know? And I'll be like more Southern than most Southern people by, by all the foods <laughs> I've tried or all the foods I know of, you know? Um, yeah. And a lot of my, I, I grew up in Wisconsin and I mean... There are things that people eat up there that are the same as South. I mean, they're not, you don't think of them as Southern food when you're up there, but then later you kind of like, yeah, that is Southern food. And I don't know where it came from because I have no one from the South in my family. Not really. I thought, I I thought Wisconsinites were big cheese heads. We are. Yeah. That's, you know, (laughs) we'll, cheeses are everywhere. Um, Just having that conversation about cheese curds um, with my son. And they fry them. I, I forgot they fried them, but you know they just drop them in the in the deep fat fried cheese curds. <laughs> I mean, just... uh, yeah, I'll, cheese cheese head was a, was a was America. A sort of you know, you know, you're in America term. where everything's fried. Yeah, cheese cheese head was sort of like a, a dig. Uh, like the, the there's a rivalry between the Packer, well, not just the Packers and the Bears, but like any you know Wisconsin team and any Chicago team, let's say but mainly between the Packers and the Bears. So we would find creative ways to, um, creative names for people from Chicago, and they would find creative names for people from Wisconsin. So they sort of created that cheese head as a, as a pejorative. <laughs> and then Wisconsin, I'd say, 
you know, okay, we will wear it on our head, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's sort of like <laughs> you, you try to make fun of us and then we just like wear it, you know, like, ha. It's the you best way. You can't hurt us. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, beef, beefs between people or uh, between uh, regions are always funny to me. Yeah. Uh, like the yeah. beef in uh, L.A. versus San Francisco. And it's so yeah. funny because, uh, uh, when I, you know, I'm from L.A. and, and I remember uh, hanging out with my friend who... Who said to me once? He's like, "Have you noticed that uh, San Francisco has a beef with us, but we we don't, we never notice them?" And it's and it's so true. Oh yeah, yeah. I, especially when yeah, I love that. I love that dynamic. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like it's it's the weirdest thing. People always have this uh, this assumption that L.A. is 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 like uh, consumed with thinking about San Francisco when. And it's not. It totally is. And I'm not. I'm not from L.A., but I totally can understand what you're saying. Like, I mean, you know, there's. San Francisco is like not even a thought for most people in LA. People from, no. from like if you're it not really from LA, isn't. San Francisco is a is a really interesting place to think about. Like before I moved to LA, I had thought about moving to San Francisco. Sight unseen. I just thought it would be a cool place to go. And uh, but I ended up here instead, you know. Um well, round trip, I made it here after New York. So, you know, um but at one point I was I was in Las Vegas and I thought about going up to um, uh, the Bay Area. I thought that'd be cool, you know. Um, and anytime I go up there, I love it, you know. But I don't know, like, <laughs> I don't know if I like it. San Francisco's days. great, um, you know. Yeah, um, not not these. I mean, I think down. no place. Yeah, I think no place really <clears> in the country is is hospitable or or uh, uh, an image of what it used to be just less than a year ago. Um, you know, in, in most places in the country, mm. people are going into what they call a second lockdown and people are nervous. People are nervous. And you know what the great, strange thing about it is if you, if you look up, uh, uh, on the CDC website and vitamin D and selenium deficiencies, they clearly state that people who have deficiencies of vitamin D three and selenium are the ones who suffer the most from these symptoms from COVID-19. And my, and I always wonder to myself, um, why, why aren't like CDC and other government agencies, uh, telling people to eat healthier and maybe shut down these fast food restaurants. I've, I've, I haven't understood that. What do you think? Uh, one question. Do you say selenium? Selenium. Yeah. Selenium. selenium. Okay. Yeah. I knew about the vitamin D. I always forgot about the other, um, the other, uh, mineral was that, that, that was supposed to be really good for you. Well, they they also they also say uh, they also say uh, zinc, but really, uh, in these studies they've done with people who've had COVID nineteen for this last almost year, they said that people who had the most severe cases of of COVID nineteen were people who were extremely deficient in vitamin D and or sometimes selenium. And these you know, two it, things, it seems, it seems like it would go together, right? Because, um, let's say you're not. In the best of health in general maybe you're elderly maybe you have arthritis so you just don't feel motivated to get out maybe you know you don't take a walk every day so you're not getting sunlight every day um you know it, it compounds the fact that you know your body is is not gonna um uh process you know what's coming into it as well as as a young younger youthful body and also you're not gonna have that chance to, to naturally create that vitamin d by going out into the sun and so it's, it, I think all these, um, all these things compound on top, you know, it's like compound interest. It's like, you know, you're, you're more sedentary, you're more stressed. You, you stay in more. You're not, 
you're not even talking as much. Even talk, the act of talking, you, you have to breathe, you have to exhale, you have to inhale, you know. Even some right. of these things, even if like you're a little bit short breath um, and not taking nice, long, deep breaths, you know, you're not being as conscious about all these factors. And, um, and I agree, I think the CDC, you know, it, it's one of these weird things um, that I, I sense like an organization, they have their purpose, you know, um, they're there to study diseases, but yet they're there to study disease and make recommendations on, you know, on cures and how to avoid them and all these things. But somehow when they get close to the area of advising people what to eat or what not to eat, they, they just seem to be very shy about coming, you know, coming forth strongly and saying, you know, get more exercise, get out in the sun, you know, take some vitamin, vitamin D supplements, you know, check with your doctor and see if you're low on that. And I've heard, you know, I've heard some of the main doctors that are, that we see on, on TV or, or, you know, wherever we get our news from, uh, mention these things, you know, that, that vitamin D is, is important, but it's just like a, almost an afterthought. They, they, they mention it. Right. And it's like, oh, I covered that base. You know, it's like when I go to my doctor, you know, like, um, he'll be like, eat more salad, eat less cake. And I'm thinking like, he's right. <laughs> okay. But I, but I don't eat cake. I mean, I, I mean, I don't like cake, <laughs> you know, um, and I love salad. So, you know, but I, I don't say, oh, well, I don't eat cake. I, I and I don't, I like, I already eat salads, you know, he's giving me good advice either way. Like whatever I'm doing, I could do more of it, you know? Um, but he, but he's, he's a very old guy. Um, I, I haven't seen him in quite a while, so I'm almost wondering if he's, you know, still, um, I'm sure he's still around, but, um, but, uh, you know, he seems very old school, you know, like back when doctors did tell you to eat, you know, an apple a day keeps doctor away, you know, <laughs> um, I, I like old school. I mean, more and more every day you realize that old school usually tends to be right more than wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and old school, like when I say old school, like, I mean, like back far enough when homeopathy was not really a, 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 a woo-woo word, you know? There were a lot of doctors who practiced homeopathic um, remedies um, up to a certain point, I think in the 60s and 70s, you know, the, the big pharma really took over and they just, they just don't have the time, you know? Like their time with patients is so, so like, we gotta we gotta get another patient in because we have to bill them because of insurance and you know it's all about right, you know, right. the whole the whole medical in industry I mean is is just a, it's just a huge mess yeah yeah I mean yeah. think about it think about I mean the CDC on their own website says that over eighty percent of people who come down with the worst cases of COVID nineteen are severely deficient in vitamin D three. I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to understand that one of the best ways to reverse uh, these really bad uh, outcomes is to increase vitamin D levels. Well, so they I don't know what a vaccine. Point. I don't yeah. know what a vaccine is really gonna. I mean, think about think about scurvy when when people didn't know where scurvy came out, was from. People would go on these uh, ships for long trips and die. And they're like, mm -hmm. where is this coming from? They didn't know. There was even a, a, a doctor who was trying to come up with different types of um, 
vaccines and, and different ways and, and cures to fix this ailment that for some reason a lot of these uh, a lot of these people on ships were, were succumbing to. And later on they found out that when they brought lemons or oranges on the trip, that people wouldn't die as much. And they found out it was actually vitamin being C. caused by a, a, a deficiency in vitamin C. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of that. Kind of reminds well, me of that. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it it's a really good point because once they found out, what did they do? They tried to bring fruit, you know, that they that they, that related to the cure. Like, they, they didn't even 100% know it, but they understood, like, somehow it connected so they did it and then people were better or would survive the trip more here we know it un unequivocally that vitamin d improves your immune system and strengthens your immune system so that and there's many other benefits to it but yet they don't strongly come out strongly and say you know at least take this much every day um yeah and and and, and i think it took about uh, uh i think it took many years for people to accept that it was a vitamin C deficiency, they brought they brought oranges and and lemons and doctors at the time were like, no, that can't be it. It has to be some very complicated uh, mechanism in the body, and that's that's oh my god, that's weird. That's that's tinfoil hat stuff. Do you have any idea how stuff. long ago that was? That vitamin scurvy was a thing. Like, um, I mean, What's it's that? still a thing, but like, do you know when it was like a un unknown? Do you know when when vitamin C? You know, like when did they figure out? How long ago was that? I mean, was it 200 years ago or was it? Oh, it, was, it was a long time ago. I think it was, uh, I think it was about 100 to 200 years ago. I mean, just think of this, like those people who came from. It was actually, uh, it was actually in the, in the mid 16th century. That's when it was. Wow. So think about this, right? It's a little tangent to it, but they, they brought beer and wine as a way yeah, to nix get that. Wait, wait, wait. I just, I just want to be very like accurate on the show. It was actually at the end of the 18th century. Continue. Oh, okay. So I was close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, oh, so what I was saying is like, you know, they would, they would have ale and beer. I don't know if it was beer, but it was ale or something like ale and wine, you know, because water didn't stay good, you know? So can right. you imagine just drinking only alcohol <laughs> for a month or yeah, however long that yeah, trip was yeah. you know and then you imagine like how they always um, portray pirates or just people on on ships as being very ornery <laughs> you know and and you know like or drunkards or, you know but like it, but it, it was actually how done close to reality like they're portraying it but but you you don't get it unless you know a little bit of the history and realize like they didn't have water to drink you know, they didn't, they didn't have know clean water, it. right? Right. They didn't know how to keep it from spoiling. They didn't know how to collect it, and you know, um, you know, maybe they could have boiled it, or they could. But but being on a ship, they didn't have a whole bunch of extra wood to burn, and that would have, you know, probably burnt their ship down. I mean, there's so many uh, interesting aspects of that. I think um, that's kind of that's that must have been a cool life. You have to get drunk to live. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you finally get, but yeah, you're right. You're right. You do. <laughs> people, people have, people have a misconception of people back then, like pirates or people who lived on these ships as drunkards, because uh, you have image, a lot of imagery, a lot of iconography of advertisements of people in that age, with with a mug of beer, and uh, I don't want to name any names, but you know which one I'm talking about. And it's not that they were drunkards; it was that that was the only way they could drink 
water that was clean was to to drink this fermented stuff yeah yeah which is pretty crazy and I, I'm, I'm sort of drinking it slow because I noticed um, my microphone's pretty sensitive and I, sometimes I'll get like little little click noises um, oh yeah if your mouth I think it's your mouth dries up or something but um, yeah yeah just get drunk <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I have, a, I have a whole, uh, a whole beer case right here. Um, so, I'm on my sixth beer at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm just joking. But hey, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a big uh, beer drinker. For some reason. I don't. Not, you know what? I, I don't even remember ever having a even having a. Have we ever even had a drink? In all the times we hung I out, I don't think like, we've never. No, right? no. Uh, I, I've, I remember I remember this this one time I was in Beverly Hills working on a project with a group of guys. Oh, wait. Maybe it was a small time. startup. What's that? I think one time we did, maybe. Really? Where? Either either you had had a beer and I didn't have one, like met at your office, or we went to like uh, some kind of tech meetup or something in Santa Monica and maybe had a beer. After. Probably. I, I, I could do like one beer, maybe. Yeah. And it sounds about right. But I know I know, I, wor- I was working with some guys in Beverly Hills on a startup. Really big company now. It was a very small startup back then. And we all got together. There was like five of us. And they all brought beer. They're like, you know, it, I guess it was like a way to bond with the team. And um, that was a VP of engineering at the company. And they're like, come on, let's let's drink some beer. And I'm just like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and it, it, it kind of created a very awkward <laughs> atmosphere because they wanted people to get drunk and kind of like let loose and kind of create a bond and i understand that but i don't i don't need a beer for that but they're like why don't you drink a beer i'm like no i'm, I'm good and they See all it? stared at me and they're <laughs> just like actually i have to go no, now we it, it just, I, just felt, I felt so uncomfortable <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta go home i mean I, I remember that's one of the stories that uh that i always remember when it, when, when it's a subject about beer and me not liking it because <laughs> It's it's very important for it's like sharing food for some people. It's like you sit down at a table and you're like, hey, let's share some food, let's let's break bread together. And if you're like, I'm not really hungry, it creates like this awkward tension. Like, how can you not eat food with me? Like this, it's like you don't create this. It's kind of a strange phenomenon, really. Oh yeah, it, I mean, that people don't have enough empathy to understand when someone's saying no, they're not rejecting you. They're just not into that empathy. That's another know. point. They feel you like know. they're being rejected, but it has yeah. nothing to do with them. Yeah. Um, I, 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 on my own personal journey, you could say I go, I go back and forth on whether I should stand my ground and just do what I do and not care what they think or just go along with them because the bonding part is maybe does take precedence or just connecting but somehow right i feel like it's you know i think i've done pretty good in and i i stick to my guns so to speak more than not but i'd say you know if you look forward and things and you're like you know what if you just you know threw through a few shots back with them or whatever and it's fine you know maybe you don't feel good the next day because of it but they were like, well, that was so much fun. Let's do it again. And then you're kind of like, screw Exactly. You know? well, then, yeah, so then, then you at least if you stuck to your guns, over over you have a, yeah, you have a chance that they might understand that you're just not into drinking, but you'd like to hang out with them and get to know them better, you know, or, or find some other way to bond, you know, like, I don't know. Well, you always, you always have to stick to your guns because they have to understand who you really, really are. And if you don't like to 
drink beer. And it was like, they wanted me to drink beer like in the middle of the day. It was like at 1, 1, 1, uh, 1 p.m. I was like, that would have wrecked you. Crazy. <laughs> that would have wrecked you. <laughs> they took it personal because it was the, the founder, the owner, the CEO of the company who mm-hmm. were, they, they personally were like, hey, drink beer with us. And I was like, no, point blank. And they were I, just I won't, like, I won't mention any names, um, but I, I have a friend who he hung out with some really heavy hitters in Hollywood, let's say like the top guys, you know? And yeah. they always wanted to drink, like just drink, drink, drink. And like, I could have been so in with them, but I don't want to sit around just drinking scotch with them all day. You know, I mean, they're like, just like to a degree that's like so unhealthy, you know, it's almost like a ritual for them. Um, that's a whole nother topic, but like, there's almost like they got to bring you down, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, Absolutely. And, um, and, and these, and I mean, you know, you gotta make choices though. But like, I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to be hanging out with these guys. Um, they're just too into their, their alcohol, you know? And I, and I always wonder like, you know, you got all the money in the world. You got all the, you got this huge, beautiful studio with like hundreds of people working for them. Anything they can dream up. I mean, it was like a, it was like a laboratory for visual effects for, these two creator, director, producers were like big, big time guys, you know? Oh, I think I and, know who they are. I'm not going to say their names, but I, I think and, I know who they are. Yeah. And they're not even, it's like this, this thing is like separate from actual projects, you know? And it's huge. It's like a huge little machine that they have, you know, where they develop effects for these big movies, you know? And, um, it's like their little playground. It's, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think, like I'm, I was surprised there weren't more people like that out there doing these things. You know, like you got all that money, why don't you just develop stuff? Like, why don't you make more stuff? And it turns out, yeah, some of them actually do invest in it, like on the side while they're making these other films. They're they're sort of testing ideas and you know, creating these virtual reality things and you know all these just you know really cool stuff. You know that we end up seeing in the movies. Um, used to, I think it used to be um, very much. Uh, commercials was was a great way to test new effects like anytime a you know big agency we could get a budget of a million dollars they would just throw every visual effect they could think of into the into the mix and then maybe a year later you'd see that effect in a movie or something when you you mentioned earlier that you know these people have everything they want but they, they're still you know getting shit-faced yeah i mean it's, it's like the Kurt Cobains of the world, right? They have everything they want. And I mean, some people say that he actually didn't kill himself. That, uh, that yep. uh, what's, what's his wife's, his ex-wife's name? <laughs> Courtney Love or something killed him. There's a whole documentary I watched a few yeah. years back. It was pretty interesting. But it's, it's, it's the idea that these people have everything they want. Imagine if you have everything you want in the world. You have everything you want and you feel nothing. These people go to the next step and they start doing drugs, they start doing all this other stuff and they essentially uh, self-destruct. Yeah, or also they can they can kind of treat other people around them pretty crappy too, you know, like the moment Oh, they get off cow- on that. That's moment, another level of drugs. Kowtowing to them, you know, they they get mad at you, you know. I saw a terrible meme. I, I, it was it's one of those uh, Leonardo DiCaprio memes where they show his face making that kind of like I don't know, grimace he's kind of half laughing half i don't know what and they show like it's a it's a split screen like image where the top is 
Kurt Cobain saying, no, I don't have a gun. <laughs> I shouldn't have sang it. I shouldn't have sang it. Whatever. I love it. But memes. that's the lyric, you know? And then it shows like the bottom one, which it looks like Kurt Cobain, except for the faces plant, you know, the, the DiCaprio, <laughs> I don't have a gun. And, and I was like, what are they saying? You know, because he shot himself. And then I was like, oh, they're talking about the Courtney, Courtney Love thing. You know? Have you seen that documentary? Uh, that's a good question. It's on Netflix. I, I, I don't know if I saw it or not, to be honest. Like, I, I, I know part of the story. I know I've seen some of it, but probably I haven't seen that specific documentary unless it's like 10 years old. Maybe I saw it a long time ago and, you know, caught part of it. Um, I think Dave Grawl has gone on the record saying what he thinks about it. I don't want to um, misquote him or put words in his mouth, but I, I think he's... Um, pretty convinced um, she was she was it was her fault one way or the other you know like that she that she was the driving the real driving force behind it or something um, so so this documentary is was was produced by uh, the private investigator that Courtney Love hired he he didn't he wasn't like a yes man to her and he actually by investigating for her discovered things that didn't make any sense and so he created this documentary and with recordings of Courtney Love admitting to certain things and and oh. and, and the suicide letter that he found after the fact so he he went to Kurt Cobain's house to see what happened she sent him and he checked everywhere and uh, he went to the bedroom and he noticed that there was there was nothing there, right? He came, I think, a few days later and he found, after he's, after Kirkman was killed, he found like a suicide note under the pillow. And he found that was kind of odd. And he found out that the, uh, the suicide letter, the way it was written, were the same letters that Courtney Cox, uh, Courtney Love's, uh, Courtney Love had a backpack that he, that he found that she had left somewhere and he opened it and he found out she was actually practicing writing like Kurt Cobain oh. over and over again, the letters and the letters and all stuff. And then he put these two things together and he realized something strange was going on. Anyway, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but you definitely have to watch it. It's pretty convincing. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, oh. it's pretty damning. I'm not even sure if we want to talk about this other subject, but there's a there's a very famous um, person who uh, who had a very good friend um, apparently commit suicide, and there was a suicide note found later, mysteriously showed oh, up. Oh yeah, and they even took writing samples of this very famous person who you know uh, everybody knows, <laughs> but that that's a story from like. 20 30 years ago or something you know like 90s story but um i believe that that writing handwriting expertise like i personally don't know enough about it but i think it's one of those things like a good body language expert person whatever you want to call them um analyst a body language expert i guess you know and handwriting analysis i think these are extremely credible i don't think oh, they yeah. can prove guilt in, in the court necessarily because it's it's subject to subjectivity it's subject to the interpretation the person, the person who's doing the interpreting could have a bias or they could just be they could lie you know I mean you know because who would know um, uh, and it'd just be their word against you I mean so I don't I don't know that it has the weight of evidence but it should like be a, used very extensively for you know deciding whether they prosecute someone I'm surprised we don't have like an AI 
who already does that. We probably do. Um, yeah, it's pro- people are probably working on something like that where uh, you could do like uh, an analysis to see what the what the probability of someone writing something is. Um, it, it'd be really cool. It's oh almost yeah, even like, the um, choice of discuss- word. The choice of words would be um, very interesting. You know, even the choice exactly. of words. I saw, oh, yeah. I, I was watching something. Um, I wish I could remember. It was a. I, I'm on YouTube. There's a few um, people who do body language um, interpretation, things like that. And somehow it, it led to, oh gosh, is this a documentary or whatever? Well, it was just it was just one of those things where the person said, um, you know, oh, it's it's this story about the guy who killed his wife and pregnant wife and two, two children, I think. Uh, I think it was that story and the, the, he's being interrogated and, and they ask, you know, to just, we need a description of your, of your daughters, you know, so we can put out a APB, you know, and, and he, he starts by saying, um, she, she, uh, she, and yeah, they, they did a whole body language analysis yeah. on him or, and also the way he talked about his wife in but the But he corrected tense. himself. Like in one sentence, yeah, he, yeah, said, he, he said, she, he was talking about his daughter. She was ex- inches tall and then on the next one he said it but somehow he 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 was he was he was aware that he sort of messed up and he he smoothed it over in the next sentence so he was actually not very bright but something very very clever about this guy you know like even though he's really stupid but and disgusting but there there you know he had an ability to just you know morph you know, I guess you call that sociopath. His name is Chris Watts. That's a guy who killed. Uh, yeah. And they're, yeah. They're, so they were yeah. doing this thing where they were yeah. asking him questions about where his wife might be. And he and he talked about her in the past tense. And those were telltale signs that this guy knows where she is yeah. or knows what happened to her. Yeah. These guys are crazy. I mean, these people are. are, are and I think do, he did it. Do you remember, girl. Do you remember I think the he, scene where where he's he's watching He's he's shitting bricks because his neighbor is gonna show the security <laughs> like footage. a video, yeah, yeah. And he oh and he's flipping God. through the channel, and the channel shows this this baby in a womb. Oh, um, wow. and he goes, oh yeah, and she's pregnant because the this this was it was a doc it was like there's like a TV show let's say playing on the TV, and then it cuts to like a commercial, and it cuts to like a promo to like an upcoming show or something. And there's like this this little cutscene where it shows a baby in a womb, and uh, animated, you know, gra- you know, 3D um, graphics, yeah, you know, and then it cuts to um, a promo for um, like like some kind of horror, scary flick or something where where like this I think it's a mom and a there might be even a daughter or a kid in the scene and they sort of just melt away or something. It, I'm trying oh, to remember. Wow. You got to go back That's to that weird. scene. And, and just watch it. It's it's so like, it's almost like the angels were trying to communicate something, you know, because the time yeah. was so, so eerie, you know, and, and he, he responds like, you know, he sees the, he sees the baby in, in the womb, in the graphic. He goes, oh yeah. And she's, and she's pregnant. And the officer's like, she's pregnant. Yeah. She's, she's X months pregnant. That is weird. Yeah. That is pretty weird. What a coincidence. Because, you know, all the time, yeah. I, I always find these things really fascinating. Just like, you know, we could shift into maybe like a brighter topic. But, you know, like just the fact that like all these things had to align in a certain way where they decide to go over to the neighbors to look at the footage. The neighbor had to have a certain 
thing on his TV before he could get to the channel that shows the the, um, the footage from the garage or you know the security cameras and what do they call it synchronicity right? synchronicity things yeah kind of synchronize yeah yeah oh yeah and, I believe uh, I believe in that kind of stuff I mean I, I didn't believe in that stuff before I thought it was uh, quite frankly bullshit until you you start to notice things when you pay attention like oh that's kind of strange that's kind of a coincidence I, actually I think I was with you a long time ago when I, I mean I'm not gonna go through the whole thing but where the chances of something I experienced were mathematically impossible and it happened to be and you didn't believe it and the person I was with didn't believe it we're in Santa Monica you probably kind of remember but it, that was a weird thing and uh, yeah synchronicity the, does I, happen. I remember talking about synchronicity with you um, outside my home uh, in in Mar Vista area I, I remember a conversation I wonder if the thing that happened was just prior to that or something I don't remember the. It was yeah. after. It was way after that. Some people are are like in are just perpetual skeptics. You know, they don't believe anything. You, yeah. You know, I, I can tell you, for example, that was me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. I'll just tell you something that happened just um just the other day. Um. I, I uh, let's see. I got an email from uh, from a speaker. I'm on a mailing list because I wanted to go and hear a, a particular speaker talk. He's a Christian apologist, and I just find his, his talks very interesting, and, and I found out he was going to be in L.A. <laughs> He's not from this area, so I said, oh, I want to go. Well, they changed the date, probably due to COVID, who knows what. And I got an email, you know, like, last minute um, that they had a new date, and it was, like, tomorrow, right? And um, I had a friend that I thought would be moderately interested in the topic, so I, I was seeing if he wanted to go. And... Um, so, you know, this is just whether you believe me or not, right? Because I'm just, I didn't write it down. I don't have any documentation. But I was thinking, like, what if I if I was going to ask this guy a question? Because sometimes his format is he, he talks and then he lets people ask questions. And I was, I was thinking, like, what question I would ask him. And really, it wasn't so much a question for myself. It was like a question for my friend. Because, um, you know, he has his, he has his upbringing. Um, and, I, and I wanted something for him you know um spiritually speaking you know and so i had the question in mind and i quickly realized they weren't going to do the question q a thing or whatever it just wasn't that format but the funny thing was is like pretty much his whole talk was centered around that like he really answered that that question <laughs> as like the main topic it wasn't just like a small little you know and um you could say that's synchronicity right you think of something and then you go and then it happens but here's another layer that was on top of it is the pastor of that church that was hosting this talk he came out to introduce the the author right what did he talk about he only talked for i don't know five minutes or so it's like a really short talk you know just to, just to introduce the guy but his topic was synchronicity wow that's interesting <laughs> so his topic was synchronicity he introduces the guy and the guy basically answers the question that I would have proposed for my friend, you know, uh, I ended up going with my wife. She loved it. You know, it was a great experience was, you know, really much better than I expected even, um, as, as a, as a, as an experience. But, um, you know, you, you, I feel like if you're open, more synchronicity happens. If you're open, you'll, you'll notice it. And if you don't dismiss it as mere, um, well, I say coincidence is often misused. 
So I, I was going to say mere coincidence, but to me, coincidence is really the true definition is like when, when something and another thing coincide, you know, that they happen, you know, it doesn't, right. it doesn't dismiss if there's any reason or unreason, but it's not just just, it's, it's often sort of twisted to, to mean coincidence, meaning like it's not synchronicity. It's, there's nothing special about right, it. Right, right. Coincidence kind of denotes uh, no relationship between these two things that happened to come but together it does. at the same time. That's, but see, what I'm getting at is, it's, it is, is when you say coincidence, you do mean that two things happen. So then you have to ask why, you know? But right. coincidence has become the default way to say, like, conspiracy theory. When, mm -hmm. well, conspiracy theory is just a theory about a conspiracy, you know, but they, yeah. they sort of add that, <laughs> you know, like, and it might not conspiracy, be a theory. Conspiracy, all, like all a it really hypothesis. means, all it really means, yeah, a conspiracy, all it really means in Latin is uh, people together breathing the same air while they're planning something. It's, it doesn't mean anything other than that, which happens all the time. I don't understand yeah. why people yeah. are so obsessed with that word, but well, I, yeah, I, I have an idea why they're obsessed with it. It's it's programming, you know. It, it was um, it was sort of designed that way, you know. Um, and that that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> that's a conspiracy. That's, that's a conspiracy in itself. That's it's a, a conspiracy. That the CIA, you know, created the the word conspiracy theory as a way to label people that shouldn't be taken seriously, you know. And, um, it's like it's like uh, when they say you're very hateful, or or let's 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 combat hate. I've always been intrigued by that slogan or that idea that we're going to combat hate. Hatred is a natural; it's part of the natural spectrum of human emotion. And to just uh, isolate one, discriminate one part of that, and, and criminalize it seems to me almost uh, inhumane. It's it's almost dehumanizing because we all feel. At some point, hate, love, anger, agony, whatever it is, we should be free to feel anything we want. Yeah, and the it, idea it that there's slogans that say, let's combat hate. Oh, you're very hateful. Oh, that's a very hateful thing to say. It's, it's you're criminalizing the natural aspects of human emotion, which, which in itself is, is an abomination. Yeah. And, 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 is, and is it true or is it false that hate can be a righteous thing or an or an unrighteous thing. Can can you be justified in hating something, or is hate always bad? You know what I mean. And and right. I think the the moral relativists they want it both ways. I'm okay with not understanding everything or knowing everything or or you know I could be wrong about some things or what I think objectively is true may not be. I mean you know like I'm okay with being wrong in. But anyone who believes <laughs> in that everything is relative, like. You know, uh, this is relative to that. This is relative to that. They they don't understand that things actually don't work. There's a difference between shit and shinola. You know, there's there's, well, there's differences pick. between those. They two cherry things. pick to to you know they they create word salads. They create their their circular logic. I mean, all those things. But you know, they 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 also misinterpret meanings of words and and you know just just make things that aren't like like I said. It can hate be righteous. Like if you're hating something that's evil. Isn't that hate righteous? Isn't that well? There you go. Correct. Well, that's that's exactly that's my point. Every once in a while on my show, I read uh, emails from from uh, our listeners, and uh, this time Jeff uh, try to answer it. Uh, this is from Jennifer from Michigan, and she asks, "Can humans become immortal?" What do you think, Jeff? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> how? <laughs> I, I know one way, but what, how do you think? Well, so I, I believe in the in the original creation, we were we were created to be eternal. I do believe, like I believe in Christian theology to to the general sense, right? So we brought death upon ourselves and through salvation we can basically have eternal life so um so i just say yeah it's a simple yes i think we can live eternally now not physically you know um like not physically we're just not going to live forever i don't think uh, having your brain you know or, or or thoughts and memories downloaded to some machine means you're going to be immortal I, you know i don't think any of that is the the equation of consciousness i don't think you can transfer consciousness to a machine or something like that but when we die physically die do we live on if that's the question like can we be immortal then i say yes but i think okay it's a so you're, you're taking the angle of the of the, the religious angle so yeah the one way i think you can be immortal is through is through your work through books through art uh you know through your music i think in a sense that could capture essence and that could capture who you are and through time people could still enjoy and and read uh about you and the kind of thoughts that you that you had throughout your life that's one way i think and uh another way i mean some people might think this is corny but is having a family having children right because your children in a way, are carbon copy. Well, they're not carbon copies. They're uh, some sort of a copy of you that that moves on into the future. Artistic facsimiles. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, more figuratively speaking, that's true. Um, that through our works and what people can remember of us, and 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 the what we do in this life, you know, sort of lives on beyond us. I think um, thing that that's absolutely important. You could say, you know, um, like if you don't know anything else, at least try to do that. Like, do something that's worth remembering. You know, and uh, and through your children as well. You know, like what's the most important thing? You know, like if you have children, is to raise them. I mean, they're. There's no ill in the world that can't be solved by just raising your children right. True. True. That's a very good and, point. And 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 just not being selfish about it, like you know, not 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 feeling like it's it's a drag that you're a father or a mother and you you can't do all these other things because now you have a family to raise because you chose that one way or the other. You know, you have you have children, mm-hmm. and right. um, you know a lot of people put other things as priorities maybe making it to retirement <laughs> maybe yeah. you know having their child grow up in a bigger home than a smaller home or better college than a lesser college or you know and, and they make choices but you know in the end do they spend time with their children do they actually play with them and, and nurture them and you know um, discipline them and teach them like imagine um imagine you have uh the Amazon Amazon they're like this uh, female based society and they just I, I guess they just there's these tribes they, they're actually in existence even today where they're just I don't know if they're sort of a comeback or whatever but they 
I guess it's sort of like communism, you know, like communism can work if it's very small, you know, and the people who decide upon it decide together, you know, willfully, you know, choose it. And, and it's like, like if you live in a commune. Yeah. If you lived in a commune, like, like if you lived in kibbutz (laughs) or something, Right. right. But at the same time, a big sustainer of any of those communes is the fact that they can produce something, you know, that's unique to their commune and sell it to the outside world and trade it to get the other stuff that they need that they can't make on their own. But to be a completely 100% isolated, like as if they're living in a bubble, um, separate from the rest of the world is very, very hard because there's always something they need. I think the, uh, right. is it the Quakers? No. Uh, the Quakers in Pennsylvania? Amish. They, Amish, Amish. The yeah. Mennonites, so the Amish. Amish yeah. You know, they do, they do sell um, to the outside world, but I think they're the closest thing to a, a, a group that could probably survive without any interaction. And guess what? I think they, they just have choose. a strong, they have a strong nuclear family. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, they have a, they have that. They have a, you know a rules that restrict behavior within you know certain certain things are are forbidden. Some things aren't. It's funny. A lot a lot of people always look down upon them. Like oh my god, they're so they're so behind everything. But they're actually I, I think you know they're very smart people. I mean I remember once I was in New Mexico at a gas station. And I met a group of Mennonites there who were, you know, hanging out and I got to talk to a few people. They're very shy, but I was just very curious. And um, you see the women in the women. They were like 40 years old and they look like they were 21 years old. For people who don't know, what, what, are, what, are, what are Mennonites? Mennonites are similar to Amish people. They're just very religious mm-hmm. people who have an insular society that's based on Christianity. Is it like a branch of Mormonism or is it? Just I don't know too much of the how they're related okay. inside the, the Christian world or anything, okay. but I know they're very similar to uh, to the Amish and the, the, the way okay. they dress. Do they do the they reject technology? Are they kind of like rejecting technology like like the yeah uh, Amish? Yeah, they're very okay. similar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they're very similar. I don't know to what extent and uh, if they're just like Amish in those regards, but they're very similar. It's a very similar culture, okay. and and the women uh, look. Amazing! They're like 40, 50 years old. And they look like they're 21. And it's and you realize, wow, these people are going to live very healthy lives. And, and the stress in their communities are, is very low because everything's organized already. Every The culture's organized. The rules are set out. And they know what's expected from them. And knows, they, everybody knows what's expected from everybody else. And it's a very yeah, harmonious individualism is, society. is a stressful thing, right? Individualism, it's, it's a stressful thing. Like having to make, you know, so many choices. There's actually... A lot of uh, very smart people figure out how to plan their day so they don't they don't make as many choices. They have like uh, morning root morning rituals, and they have their whole day mapped out, um, and they swear by it because like they say, if I know what I'm doing throughout the day, like I just have my all my stuff. I'm not making all these choices. I'm not like, oh, I finished um, talking with Evan. What's next? You know, if I know what's next, I don't have to think of what's next. I just do it. Right. And they call it um, decision fatigue. And it and it's the concept or the the theory behind it is that we make we we really only have enough energy to make s- just so many um, decisions in a day, and towards the end of the day we start to get tired, we get phys- um, decision fatigue, and so that's one of the um, theories behind why most bad things happen in the night 
It has to do with by the time you get to the nighttime, you've you've had to make so many choices and you're tired. And then, you know, uh, you know, somebody says, hey, you want to have a drink? And, and you're like, OK, <laughs> I'm going to go home now. And yeah. they're like, hey, have one more drink. And you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> and they're going to the strip club or they're drunk driving or they get in an accident or you know they they have an affair you know they cheat on you know like all those things would probably happen to them regardless of bad things are going to happen if you're going that direction and it's true i mean that's what i do it sounds i mean i know exactly what i'm going to do every day and it's very simple and it's a routine and i stick to it and the problem is when you have too many options you get analysis paralysis you have mental constipation (laughs) you don't want to you don't want to do you don't want to have to do a decision tree every time you have nothing to do you're like what do i do now let me write down a whole decision tree just for this moment it's crazy i don't know what to do let me check my email (laughs) yeah exactly it's crazy let me check facebook and uh oh i haven't checked twitter in a while (laughs) oh that's the worst thing you could do Uh, twitter's twitter's talking about hate twitter has some very angry people on the on that platform it's one of the angriest twitter twitter is amazing you know like you you follow like one thread and it just goes back and forth and back and forth you know and nitpicking and insulting and and whatever thread you're on like i mean you know i i have my own opinions on just about anything but you know i saw but i'm not i'm not trying to take sides but it always seems very one-sided, but I'm I'm quite aware that the other side thinks it's one-sided in their favor. Like one side always thinks they're right, you know, and both sides can't be right. And because of that dichotomy, you know, like neither side is really living in reality, you know. I discovered from Twitter is that yeah, you see these threads and you have these uh, dichotomy of different these two opinions, and they both live. And they're in t- they're completely different realities, and and then you kind of see like the almost like the glitchy side of humanity and society. There's a glitch in the Matrix uh, in terms yeah. of humanity, and and, and these people just think they're keyboard warriors all day going into battle, and they're achieving nothing. <laughs> You're expending your energy on nothing. Yeah, I mean, I see, um, I see this. Uh, Oh, what is it? What's the word for it? Um, oh, oh, we, you know, we brought up the the term conspiracy theory, and I and I said I think I know why. Like I have my own conspiracy theory <laughs> as to why. You know, here we I, go. I really feel like you know we've we've been programmed, all of us. You know, and it's a continual process. And the program, it's almost like an AI in its in the sense of like the AI is doing its own coding. Um, and updating itself, you know, and so this programming started a long time ago, but it's, it's morphed, it's evolved and, you know, how it structured and all that. But you you have people who get programmed and then they run the program. So there they are on their keyboard and they're saying this rebuttal or this snarky remark, or here's the, you know, and they're all saying variations of the same thing, just just because they're they're programmed to do that. They they're just not even aware that that those words are not their own. Those thoughts are not their own. They're just um, verbal diarrhea. So, so willing, so willingly to to open themselves up to that whole thought pattern, and right. and they just they don't even try to reject it. They're just so committed to their group think 
you know, and, and, and this, this point of view that they want so badly to be right. Uh, talk to us about uh, your your website and where people could find. Tell, tell people what you do, like other than come on this amazing show and talk to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, mostly in I'm doing music. I uh, create music for um, I create music for various projects. I am a guitar player as well, so I do guitar session work. Um, one of my uh, projects, ongoing project, is to create. Um, uh, meditation not just meditation but it's, it's called meditation music on YouTube and um, it's ambient music primarily in the genre of ambient music and a lot of it is created in the, my process of creating is to create it live so right now I'm not performing live for anybody but the process is, is very improvised and impromptu and okay. um, very soundscapey you know, rain, rain type of music. And so if you go to jeffali.com, J-E-F-F-A-L-I.com, you can find some of my music there. And if you do a, a, a YouTube search, Jeff Ali Meditation Music, um, I will pop up. There are some other people who've used my music to make videos, but the, uh, the one, if you click on any one that says Meditation Music as the title of the YouTube channel, then... Um, you'll you'll find some of my meditation uh, sounds and it's just good for it's good for background it's good for relaxation and some people like to use it to actually sleep some people actually use it for meditation um it's good for study you know um and most of the tracks are very long so you know you just put hmm. it on and and it's there it's sort of this, okay. this um nice hum in the background sometimes um, it's it's it's, ama it's amazing yeah. it's so amazing music check I, that out. I, I vouch for it yeah, go to jeffali.com to support this show. Thanks, man. Also, Thanks. go to evanweiss.com. Yeah, you're welcome. Also, go to evanweiss.com forward slash NordVPN uh, to support this show as well. And thank you, Jeff, for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Evan Weiss Show. Head over to iTunes to listen to previous shows. Questions? Email us at e at evanweiss.com.